Good morning. It's Christmas. <laughs> Yay. Every Christmas, we get an annual refresher course to remind ourselves about God's good news. It really is a joyful season because Christ has come, forgiveness can be owned, you can have eternal life, living life now and forever in God's presence. The angel of the Lord said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus coming to save us from our sins is a life-changing event. Have you experienced that life-changing belief in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you have, there should be joy. Now, I'm not always joyful about that. I forget what it means. So today, since our focus is on joy, I thought it'd be great to look at our verse for the day, 1 Peter 2.9. I think it's on, up on the screen. But you are a chosen people. Did you get that, believer? You're chosen by God. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, that means all who are believing today, belong to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. What should that good news do to my heart? It should be joy-filled. And then after being joy-filled, my devotion to my Savior should kind of go up a notch because God's salvation in Christ changes us into new people that we could never become without God's working in our life. And God has chosen to work in your life if you are a follower of Christ. So we should be joy-filled. Let's take a look at it today. I want to note a few things from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race or a chosen people. That's God's glorious choice. Who am I? Who are you? Who are we that God would choose us to be his special people, his chosen people? That's the story of the scriptures. Have your Bibles? Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 7 because there there's this reference that Moses makes when he's reviewing to a new generation about to enter, of Israelites about to enter the promised land. Here's what God says to them through Moses. I'll start at verse 6 of Deuteronomy 7. For you are a people holy or set apart to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more numbered than any other, more than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Unearned mercy. Same news in the New Testament as well. 
familiar verse to many, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For we are saved by grace and not by ourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. We're saved by God's mercy and grace. We can't say, look at me, look what I've done, God. I deserve your love and favor. None of us do. We're chosen for God's purpose. Many of you might remember this summer, I was away on sabbatical, but you went through the book of Genesis chapter 37 about the life of Moses, or excuse me, the life of Joseph. Joseph was a, is a picture of Christ. He was a favored son, but he was despised by his own family, by his own people. But his life through all its turmoil was redemptive. It was, he was a savior. And he was glorified and raised up at just the right time to deliver God's people. That's a picture, a foreshadowing of what Jesus was to do. Well, we're not Joseph, but we're a follower of Christ if you're a believer in Christ. And you're one of his disciples in John chapter 15. Listen to what Jesus says about us. Verse 15 of John 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you, what? Friends. Servants don't know what the master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I've heard from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Chosen by God, God's glorious choice. We're given a special position. We're chosen out of the world. <laughs> it's not all glorious now following Christ, but our future is glorious, so we can hang in there. Do you know that being called out of the world is a good place to be. Why is that? Because the world's sinking. Do not seek to find lasting joy and life-fulfilling purpose in this world without God. With Christ, you find lasting hope, lasting peace, lasting joy through life because his salvation spans time now and forever. The famous evangelist D.L. Moody, who lived a long time ago, <laughs> said this about his journey on a, on a ship, an ocean-going ship named the Spree. Here's what he said. It went all right until they knocked a hole in it and the water began to come in and the boat began to sink. Then it went all wrong. <laughs> the ship was made to be in the water, but when the water gets into the ship, down it goes. <laughs> Jesus chose us out of the world. We're in the world, but the world is not supposed to be in Jesus' followers anymore. His light is removing the darkness that used to overwhelm our minds and our thinking and our lives and is making it go away. He's removing those unholy attitudes a day at a time, the actions that don't bring him glory. The Holy Spirit powers enable us to overcome evil with good. 
Here's what Moody said to end that story. <laughs> there are many Christians in the world that are taking on the world's water. And they're walking in at waist deep. And their influence for God's kingdom is hindered. So believers, we've been called out of the world. We're chosen to be different. Jesus came to save us from sinking into hell's destruction. So receive the gift of life today. He died purchasing forgiveness as a perfect sacrifice for our sin. He's, he is raised to life, proving that he conquered it so we can believe in him. That should make us be filled with joy, to think that we're chosen like, like Joseph was chosen. Jesus is the chosen one, right? The ultimate savior, the only one of his kind. God the son becoming human. Allow the Christmas season to remind our minds and our hearts that we're chosen out to do God's glory. You know, God is speaking right now. Are we listening? Are we receiving him or refusing him? Believers, Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, has chosen you to share in his glories. Let it shape how we live every day. Let it change how we look at things, how we look at people. Make us different for his honor and glory. He enables us to do it. Believers, you're chosen. And secondly, we're, we are a people belonging to God, God's glorious ownership. A people in the English Standard Version for his own possession. <laughs> the good shepherd sets us free to live for God. You know, the word master has some negative inferences, doesn't it? Because of the cruelty of people being slaved, enslaved by cruel owners. But God is not like earthly masters. Not like the cruel master Satan and his evil spirits that follow him. He's a good shepherd. Psalm 23. Read that. Reread it. He provides for us. He gives people rest. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Compared to any other ruler in the world, he is good a good master, so be happy that you are owned by God because Jesus and his gospel sets us free, sets me free from the rulership of sin. It's tyranny. Jesus is the good shepherd, and there are a lot of false shepherds, but they don't match Jesus at all. They steal, they kill, they run away when the wolves come. Satan brings separation from God, from one another, he brings conflict. He brings death. He brings strife. There's no security or peace under his rule. But Jesus, on the other hand, brings life, eternal life. He brings justice. He brings fairness. He brings righteousness, all things good and right. He leads us into the path of peace with God and with one another. He brings spiritual and physical and economic and social well-being. That's the kingdom of God. Why would I not want to be owned by this king, to let him be my master? But isn't it amazing how we flee and run from him? A.W. Tozier, he happens to be one of my favorite guys, 
He has an amazing book called The Pursuit of God. If you've never read it, pick a copy of it up. Millions have been sold. Read it for you to kick off your new year. Pursuing God. Here's what he said, thinking about Jesus' teaching and the Beatitudes, you know, blessed are those. Instead of a poor spirit, we find pride, trash talking. I added that. <laughs> Instead of mourners about sin, we find pleasure seekers seeking sin. Instead of meekness, that is, power under control, we find arrogance and the abuse of power. Instead of hungering after righteousness, that is, after seeking God, people pursue their own agenda. They, they lift themselves up no matter the cost to other people. Instead of mercy, we see cruelty. Instead of purity, we find people seeking new corrupt imaginings. Instead of peacemakers, we find people quarrelsome and resentful and hateful. And then Tozier says this, and that's the kind of world that Jesus spoke into. Jesus never offers an opinion. He never uttered an opinion. He never guessed. He knew, and he knows. I need to listen to Jesus. You need to listen to Jesus. The world needs to listen to their creator and savior. He's the best master. And be glad he's chosen you. If you are a child of God, you are chosen by God. That rejoice in that ownership. You belong to the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. He's glad to call you his child. But if the Lord Jesus Christ is not your master, then you have another master. And that master is leading you to death and destruction. That master is temporary and has no power to rescue you and to give you eternal life. That master is leading you astray to eternal judgment. And someday that door to heaven will be closed and you will be outside gnashing your teeth and weeping and wailing because you refuse to believe in the one who came, who's glorious and great and is calling you to let him be your savior and master. Master, rejoice. People of God, you are chosen, you are owned, and you've been given a new position. You are a royal priesthood. You are, we are a holy nation. And that should lead us to joyful devotion. We're a new race of people in Christ. Last week, when, when Phil was talking about peace, our focus was on peace, he turned to Ephesians chapter 2. Remember, Jews and Gentiles were at war. They weren't getting along. And Jesus came and broke down the wall that separated them and makes them one new people. Jews and Gentiles now become a part of God's kingdom through belief and faith in Jesus Christ, the anointed, the appointed Messiah. And we're being built into a holy temple. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. We have a new standing then as royal priest. That gives us a new purpose. Did you know you were a priest? 
a royal priest. If you're a believer in Christ, you are a priest. Have your Bibles, have your phones, turn to Numbers chapter 6. Famous blessing. The worship team just sang it a week or two ago. Listen to Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, that they were the priests, the appointed priests at that time. Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. If we were to take time to look at all the verses before this, and we won't do that, but I want to highlight a few things. In chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, there's a whole list of things about people setting themselves apart to God as a Nazarite. They would take a special vow, and it, and it was about things they had to give up. Listen to what they had to give up. A Nazarite should separate himself to the Lord. He shall drink no vinegar made from wine or strong drink. So no more wine. No more eating of raisins. Verse 5, all the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head. Long hair, long beards. They weren't allowed to shave or to cut their hair. They were set apart to the Lord. So this was a sign that they were setting themselves to be holy, doing the work of God. Look at verse 6. And all the days they separate themselves to the Lord, they shall not go near a dead body because that would make them unclean. And if they, even if their mom or dad died, they weren't allowed to go under this Nazarite vow the time they were there to go to the funeral to be near or to touch the very body of their loved ones. Wow. Set apart to God. And it's in that context of us, of, of them giving away, of being separate to God, that now the focus turns. What do priests do? They mediate between God and people. They help people to know how to approach God, how to receive his forgiveness. They point them to God, the Savior. We point them to Christ. So there's a shift of blessing now, a shift where the focus turns from serving God by giving up things to God's graciousness. I want you to notice something about this famous blessing. The Lord's name is mentioned three times. The Lord, did you notice that's capitalized, L-O-R-D? That means that's the name Yahweh. That's God's covenant name. That's his name of love and promise, the one that he's going to be faithful to the people. And, and the blessing grows. In the Hebrew language, the first, the Lord bless you and keep you, that's three Hebrew words, the Lord bless you and keep you. And then the next one, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, that's five words. It keeps growing. And then the third one, the Lord make, lift up his countenance upon you, that's seven words. So the whole idea is that when the priest gave this blessing to the Israelites, he was covering them with the name of God so that they could never forget 
that the good things that they get, whether it be spiritual or physical, where do they come from? Where do all these blessings come from? From the Lord, from Yahweh, from the one who made a promise to make them their special people, and he will be faithful to his promise. Irving Jensen says this about that blessing. If the Israelites really understood or perceived that these blessings were all by grace and not deserved, would not some of them, out of gratitude, choose to take a Nazarite vow and enter into God's service for life? What are the implications for us? When we understand that all the good that Jesus brought us when he was born as a baby and then grew and lived for us and then died for us, when we understand that it's the grace of God that Jesus coming brings us, and we're reminded about it every Christmas, right? When we understand that, what is our response to be? Romans 12, 1 and 2. When you think about all that God's given us, what does the Apostle Paul tell us in Romans 12? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercy, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't be conformed to this world. You've been called out of it. You've been chosen out of it. You're owned by God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Knowing God's will, will and doing it. You see, it's logical that if I'm chosen by God, owned by God because of his mercy and grace, and that I've been made into a royal priesthood, that we've been made into a holy nation, this people set apart to God through Christ. That with gratitude, I'm going to strive to grow in my belief and godliness by the Spirit's power. In gratitude, it makes sense that because God rescued me from sin, that I'm going to follow his path and begin to chase after him. I'm going to make disciples, other disciples who know God, who love God, who serve God, and we're going to do it together. We're new creations. We have a new identity all in Christ. Some of you, there are people here today, I believe, because I know the world needs it, that God is calling to be set apart to him in full-time vocational work for God. That means becoming a missionary or a pastor or working in some form where the gospel is going out. I really believe, I have no doubt that God has a plan for some of you here. to invest your whole life in serving God. But all of God's people are to be spreading the gospel, right? This time tomorrow, <laughs> wherever we are. Is God prompting you to do something for his kingdom? What's the answer? Yes. <laughs> That's the church answer, that's the Sunday school answer, <laughs> that's the right answer because it's true, no matter if you're in church or not. 
So pray for God to send out workers into his field. Jesus told us to pray that, so we know he's going to answer it if we ask for it. So be involved in that work. You have gifts to help the body of Christ become royal priests and a more holy nation. You are gifted by God to help one another become so that we become royal priests. Followers of Jesus, we have been placed in this glorious position by the mercy of God. The world needs royal priests to go out and to reveal the glories, the blessings of our great God. We bring God's favor. We're to bring God's good news. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't bring curses. Bring blessings. That's what you're called to. Be like Joseph. Be like Jesus. Hey, they were misunderstood. They were despised. They were rejected at times. But to those who hear, heard, and believed what they were saying and saw the blessings of God that they brought, <laughs> they became a Rome of life. We are to become a Roma of life. By the way, our, your, our priestly work, your priestly work is urgent. Listen to Revelation chapter 6. What happens when you see God's face, when his face turns towards you, but there's no mercy and grace, there's only wrath? What happens? We just sang about it. Listen, Revelation 6, verse 15, or excuse me, 14. The sky vanished like a scroll that's being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. And then the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? People of God, you royal priest, you holy nation of people, our message is urgent because Jesus is coming back, and when his face comes a second time in all his glory, for those who have, no, have not received his mercy, there is going to be nothing but tear and trembling and fear and eternal judgment. Our work is urgent. So find deep joy in your devotion to Christ. I want you to think about Moses. Moses got to see the Red Sea open up and God saved a whole nation of people. Moses also got to see the ground open up and swallow unbelieving, arrogant people who saw God's mercy and refused it. Yet Moses desired to see more of God, and he asked to see his face. He got to see the glory of his back. Why did Moses seek to know God better? 
because he was understanding about God's mercy and grace that had been given to him. Isaiah saw the glory of God in a vision. And what did he say? Woe is me, he cried. He was terrified. I cried, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. You know, our lips reveal what's in our heart. And it's very unclean. And Isaiah is saying, I'm unclean. I'm living among a people that is unclean. And I'm in trouble. I've seen the Lord of glory. But God gave him grace, you know, that was symbolized by the angel bringing that hot coal and touching his lips and purifying him. And then what did God say? I need someone to go speak. And no one's going to listen to you, Isaiah. But if you go, I'm going to be with you. And Isaiah said, I'm ready to go. Because the Lord of glory chose me, and he's my master, and he's worthy, and I'm happy to serve. What did Isaiah understand that moved him to serve God, even though it was going to be hard? 11 of 12 disciples saw the Lord of glory. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And it was Peter who was speaking for those 11. And Jesus said when a bunch of disciples was leaving, do you want to go too? And Peter, what did he say? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. They served their life. Fully and happily, they followed Christ. Why has God chosen us? Why has he made us his own possession? Why has he made us a royal priesthood, a holy nation? <laughs> people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. So we could proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. The God of grace appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And what's, what are we to do with that? <laughs> what are we to do with God's training, with, with, with God's salvation? Well, it trains us to renounce ungodliness and live self-controlled, upright live, lives while we're waiting for Jesus to return. Hope, peace, joy, all centered around Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate it at Christmas. Christmas decorations, I love the food, the spirit of generosity does make it a very special time. So enjoy celebrating Jesus because he came to rescue you from sin's penalty of death. But as we celebrate, let's not forget that true hope, true peace, true joy are built on something much deeper than Christmas. Christmas trees and Christmas presents were chosen. Christian, you are chosen. God had his eye on you and he chose you. And he's made you a royal priest a holy nation together. That is incredible stuff. Our joy can't be taken away. 
Even if we die, even if we suffer for Christ, the joy will not be taken away because our salvation is secure. We will see Jesus. That should invigorate us to go and tell it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. Let's pray. Lord, life is not always joyful. Sin has ruined everything. We're broken. We're separated from you. We're separated from one another. But Father, Father God, you sent your Son, your only Son, to be our Savior, to live and to die for us. He came humbly to show us the way to live. Help us to do that. Remind us of your glorious salvation. Remind us that we're chosen, that you are our master and you're a good master, and that it is worth following you. Lord, we're new people because of your salvation. May people see the glories of your salvation as we go out as your royal priest, as a holy people sent so that they too can join us and enjoy your life forever. We pray this for your honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.